0: All right. You must listen to this entire message before us. entering a selection. No, to accept this call, press five. To refuse no, this call, <laughs> hang up now. To block this oh. call and all future so calls, right. press <laughs> not. You may enter a selection. Hi
1: everyone, welcome to to accept this call. Um, episode three of season two. I'm Savannah. I'm Andrea. And I'm Jeremy. Jeremy, <laughs> this, this he's a new face, and so we'll talk a little about a little bit about him in just a second but um we're so happy to have him here with us today on the podcast as a reminder andre and i are both um dating men that are incarcerated in iowa that are serving um 25 year sentences with mandatory minimums so that's a little bit about what we talk about on the show and we're ready to just go for it on this one
0: yeah basically jeremy was incarcerated with our guys at fort dodge that's how we know him um that's how we kind of met him so Jeremy tell us about how long have you been out of prison now
2: uh 15 or 16 months now how's it feel feels good
1: Good. feels good (laughs) quick
2: (laughs) yeah time goes quick
1: quicker out here than in there do you think it's
2: uh I time goes quick in there in like little periods and then it drags on. This just seems to be going quick.
1: Yeah, that's good, right? That's good. It means that you're doing good things with your life and having things to look forward to and enjoy. I'm ready
2: day. for it to slow down, but oh, <laughs> someday.
1: What is your life like? What's your life like like right now? What are you up to? Where do you work? What do you do?
2: So right now it's uh, it's kind of leisurely, but typically we got school starting back up on Monday, so my typical schedule is a 40 hour work week and then school most nights and try to squeeze in some other things but as that allows
0: yeah what do you do for work i'm a welder well did you yeah. learn that skill in while well, you yeah. were incarcerated yep very cool i did, I, That's did.
2: Awesome. I, I i had no skills prior to prison so
1: <laughs> do you feel yeah. like just i mean do you feel like that was the main skill that's helped you out the most? Or are there other like trades that you were able to do? Or did you just stick to welding?
2: I just stuck to welding. I, I like it. I i don't, it's not something I want to do for a living, but I do enjoy it. So I just, I stuck with that. It's rewarding.
0: And you're in I'm school?
2: Actually going to be finishing my bachelor's degree at the University of Iowa in May. So pretty exciting enterprise leadership.
1: Go on. I yeah. know. Oh, I'm like, I don't even yeah. know what that is. <laughs>
2: How about that? Yeah, I get that from everybody, even though surprisingly, it's the university's fastest growing major, but nobody seems to know what it is. It's like a business degree.
0: Okay, gotcha.
2: I'm, actually, I, I'm supposed to start a master's program in the fall too, so.
0: Oh, that's awesome. so exciting. Do you feel like when you got out of prison that it was hard to find a job?
2: Yes and no. I mean. There's, like, there's tons of welding jobs, but the thing is, is, like, the welding jobs that they want to hire felons for are typically low-paying, so finding something that I was comfortable, a weight that I was comfortable working at, that was a little more difficult.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, that's a really, but, good, that's a good point, that, like, do you think that it's because Like they have to undergo more background checks or like, what do you think the discrepancy could be caused by?
2: No, I, uh, I just think that, I mean, it's, it's a tight job market first of all. So there's a lot of people, you know, that are highly qualified for certain jobs. And then at the same time, I think that they're thinking that basically they could get one over on you, you know, that, Oh, okay, you need a job. So I will give you, far less than you're worth.
1: So they exploit you is what you're saying? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, I mean, where I work isn't that bad, but and I'm fortunate to have the job. But yeah, for the most part, like the job search process was pretty much, you know, people wanting to give you next to nothing to come save labor for them, because they know that, especially when you're like in a work release, you know, when I got out, I had to go to a work release and they can look and they can see where you're at. They know they'll look up your address, your phone number, and you know, you're here. Okay, well, we'll give you less than we're gonna give somebody else because we know you need a job.
1: I don't even think about stuff like that. I think that I know what you forget. Is like an wow. and it, with like at least this is the way I understand it, I don't have a lot of info about reentry, which is something we'll probably ask you about too. But um, it's like if you don't have a job, you might get sent back to prison, right? Is that am I right in thinking that, or what's the rules surrounding uh, it? You have to have housing, job, something?
2: So, where I was at, no, not necessarily. I mean, it's like staff in the Department of Corrections. It's 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 hit or miss. You know, you're working with individuals that really care, and then sometimes you get stuck working with individuals. POs, counselors, whatever it may be that don't care and I've been pretty fortunate and I had individuals that cared like they weren't going to send me back to prison for you know not having a job. They were pretty under, like it, it's overwhelming too because you get out and like here, are there, they're throwing a whole bunch of information at you and I had a super hectic day the first day I got out and then the next day they're like okay do orientation and then go hop on a bus and go get three applications a day and you've got this certain amount of time that you can be out. And I've never rode a bus before. Like bus system is like new to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, crazy. And it's overwhelming, but uh, they were pretty understanding about that. Like I remember getting out and it was like, I'd go to like Walmart or target and I'd be like a four hour nap afterwards because it's like overload with everything that's going on and I think that it's more people that don't want to do things they're just not going to put up with it but if they see that you're putting in an effort they're not gonna
1: yeah like penalize you yeah as long as you're putting in the effort it's like whether you're successful or not in that effort it's just like kind of like when you give a gift it's
2: the thought that counts right yeah
1: yeah, kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <There's a> freedom <laughs> I
0: don't know if you ever knew him his name was Juan yep. um that was roommates within yep. so when he got out he I remember he called he was checking up on us and he goes I'm so nervous to like, go out and do everything. He's like, I I just have this feeling that like, when I go to Walmart, everybody's just going to stare at me because they know I just got out of prison and that I'm a felon. And then he calls me a couple of days later and he's like, man, nobody's looking at me. Everybody's like paying attention to their phones and clothes and stuff. Is that how you felt too? Like, did you feel like when you went back out into the world that people were going to be like, or were you like pretty confident? Like, yeah,
2: no, no, that's exactly it. Like, and keep in mind, one also did a lot more time than me. Yeah, he uh,
0: definitely
2: did. Very good guy, though. But uh yeah, it, it's like this imposter syndrome, you know, like you're floating around in this world that just doesn't belong to you. And it's like it it's it's a weird feeling, and you like you know inside that don't know all this stuff that you're thinking, but you're still like, yeah, this is not my world. Like, I I don't know. I got accustomed to this new little world and this, this just isn't mine, but yeah, yeah, I I remember actually like my first time at Target, I I had like this breakdown. I'm like, I'm at the register and mind you, they had self checkouts when I was out, but like, I didn't know like where I was putting money in. And I'm like, I'm freaking out my sister-in-law. She's like, calm down. I'll do this here. I'm like, no. And then like, I I couldn't find what I wanted in the store. And she's just like, pulls it up on her phone and she's like, Oh, it's over here. And I'm like, what is this sorcery here? That's like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I think I'm ready to back up if you are Andrea. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: was going to ask. So how old were you when you went to prison? Have you only been to
2: prison once? Yeah, I've only been to prison once, uh, in and out of trouble, pretty much all in all life. Though, so. yeah, I went in at twenty-five, and it was, you know, I, I was a drug addict, so that was where all, well, not all, but where most of my problems come from. Yeah, and so at twenty-five, I ended up picking up a second degree robbery, well, it was a first degree a robbery charge originally, and it got bled down to a second degree, but uh, I had robbed a pharmacy, and then just, you know, I needed some bills, I was a junkie, and then there ended up coming another pharmacy robbery, and I don't even know, there's, there's a ton of burglaries in there, some stolen cars, I've got an escape charge.
1: You to, man man was, was, I know, no idea. And goes, "Did you know that he?" <laughs> is no, real? I was like, "No." So I need <laughs> yeah. I did not even look it up, but I had to. I had to look it up.
2: <laughs> yeah, my glamorous pictures.
1: So tell
0: yeah. us about that a little bit. What? Oh God! So that was was that when you were getting like transferred to prison, or yeah, tell us everything.
2: Everything. <laughs> uh yeah, this is it's, it's a crazy story, and it's actually, I don't know, is I don't really ever get into it much, but uh,
0: have to, or you the, can tell us and we can cut it out, like whatever. No,
2: no, no, it's fine, no, it's we fine. Want uh,
1: we want the inside information, No, we're not cutting it. No, I'm just kidding.
2: We're not- <laughs> inside information, yeah, they're gonna. Uh, so, what had happened was I was in jail for the original robbery charge in Blackhawk County, and I don't know, like you would sit in that jail. I, I don't know. I think it's getting better from what I hear, but it was pretty miserable. Back then. And in there and like, I, I, I obviously I wanted out of there and they were doing like renovations there. Uh, They're adding more cameras. I don't know why they need more of them. But uh, so this one day they were putting phones in one of the visiting rooms for the it's obviously, uh, and they left the stairwell door open to the fire escape, and I don't know. I just walked through it, walked down the steps, and
0: well, like I you weren't like I gotta go. <laughs> I, I like, really
2: wasn't though. It was more like, a, ooh, what what do we got here? You know, <laughs> like because you, you, I mean, you're in a place like this, and it's it's a super secure place yeah and you don't expect to just be able to do this kind of stuff so you're like hmm, where am I going here and then I walked down and I like I came to this door and there's like a little uh intercom button so I hit it and told them I was maintenance and they buzzed the door open so I uh <laughs> I like I, I pushed the door open and I'm like I'm standing in a parking lot with police cars and I'm like my god what, what's going on here and I'm like looking around and then there's like
0: then he ran or
2: and then
1: you I casually
2: walking yeah you should have seen me i was like i was running across the street and i got a food on and i'm stopping cars and like running. you
1: were wearing a jumpsuit and they let you just go yeah they're idiots <laughs> like you shouldn't even get in trouble for that like they're I idiots what? so
0: like, you uh, to leave and they let you so mm-hmm.
2: the fact of it is is I really didn't get in much trouble for that it was everything that went along with leaving because then I picked up another robbery charge I stole three or four cars and I don't know <clears throat> a high-speed chase with helicopters and Holy
1: shit. Wow. what made you me- know. in that moment when you're like I'm gonna walk through this door like you probably didn't have a plan like no you hadn't thought through a whole bunch of it what made you think not no, no offense yes. but, no. but like what what made you think you could get away with it what was you what was your next step gonna be you're like I'm gonna outrun the cops or I'm gonna go to Mexico or what was it
2: there wasn't
1: no thought process there wasn't like you
2: still- I was like first of all <laughs> I don't know like I, it, it's so cold in the jail. It's just, it's crazy that I would ever think about complaining about air conditioning. because No such thing as excessive air conditioning, air conditioning or ice cream, by the way. Uh, so, like, I step outside and it's like, it's so hot. And I'm like, God, I want a beer. And that was like, all right, let's go get high. Let's go get drunk. Let's go. But there was no plan. I mean, obviously, like, I, I got so looped up, I ended up right back where I started.
0: <laughs> oh really? it, like, yeah
2: it, was- it wasn't very well thought through
0: wow you, how long were you in the jail before you
1: escaped
2: oh gosh I don't even remember three four five six months somewhere in there oh
1: wow okay, yeah so it's not like you were yeah. like I don't know what kind of drugs you were doing but it's not like you were high on meth and like withdrawing in that moment yeah that's
0: what I was kind of wondering yeah it was no 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 no
2: no it wasn't uh pills were my primarily my primary thing painkillers is what I was where my issue was
1: well you mentioned too and again I want you to feel comfortable but you just mentioned <laughs> a couple of rough years like before that so like if you want to talk maybe about like your addiction and just kind of like what led you to actually get into trouble like where your head was at during that of maybe why you felt you needed to commit crimes I guess for lack of better terms <laughs> So
2: all of my crimes are, they're, they're centered around pills. I got hooked on them young, really. I started, you know, experimenting with them probably, I don't know, high school. And then they just, they slowly over years, they got out of control and you know, that led to burglaries. And then it led to robberies. Yeah. The, the few years, like, thing is, is like up until I went to, well, it's not really crazy, pretty standard, but like up until I went to prison it was like failed attempts at life at once because you know, my world revolved around pills and drinking. And-
1: this is a very personal topic too that I kind of want to, I did a little bit of research. I, we do our research here on to accept this call.
0: You <laughs> um, so, don't want to look like any dummies.
1: No. So there was a comment on a news article that was so random that I found that I want to know if there's any kind of merit um, to it. I guess is that. Do you think it's okay if I, Andrea? Yeah, I, no. I'd love to see this. Okay, there's there's <laughs> yeah. a comment on a news article, and I'll send it to you too after this. Um, that talked about how when you were really young, I want to say 16 or 18, there was a car accident.
2: Oh yeah, uh, and and that's where that's crazy that that's brought into those comments, but uh, yeah, when I was 16, I was driving my brother and his girlfriend, it was their senior prom and I was driving them to, I I grew up South of Waterloo. So like we went to Waterloo for everything. If you needed to do something, you had to go to Waterloo, you know, the booming metropolis of Waterloo. But so after their prom, I agreed to, Their DD and drive them to Waterloo to get breakfast. And as we were pulling into the parking lot of the Perkins, there we were owned by a drunk driver, and uh, my brother's girlfriend was killed. So,
1: So yeah, that's yeah,
2: (laughs) and then that's where like that's kind of where things can started getting out of control you know, first of all, I didn't want to process things. So I just, I didn't. And also, you know, at that time, you know, pills were readily available and doctors were willing to give them to you for just about anything. So it's like, you know, you got one doctor that wants to give you sleeping pills because you're going to need help sleep. And another one wants to give you Xanax because you're going to have anxiety. And then, you know, you're banged up a little bit. So then they want to give you painkillers and you know, you can ride that train for years, Mm -hmm. but then it it, it was a lot of psychological too, you know?
1: That was my next kind of question too, was just like, was there, you probably had some sort of process that you had to go through of like, you know, just dealing with that, you know, like you said, you didn't want to process things, um, you're kind of like forced to or not, it's either you do or you don't, I feel like when it comes to traumatic things that happen to you, um, do you think that, like, your way of processing it was leaning on these drugs? And were doctors like enabling you by giving you them? Did it together?
2: So, uh, first of all, I think doctors do the best that they know how to do. You know, there's just unfortunately, there's conniving people out there like me. <laughs> so, uh, not now, right? Yeah, they, they, they didn't see me coming, that's for sure. But uh, I definitely leaned on drinking and drugs not saying that's an excuse for what I did because obviously there's a lot of people out there that you know have issues and they don't go around a pharmacy Mm -hmm. you know the decisions I make are you know they're based on problems I've got and I can't blame on what I was doing but yeah I definitely leaned on those things
0: so when you went to prison um was there any sort of rehab in there or classes or anything that you had to take um even though your charge was a second degree robbery charge was there any drug related classes that you had to take
2: so I went in and I was I was told I needed to do substance abuse I needed to do like kind of corrective thinking and and to get rid of corrective thinking and uh, the substance abuse class that I was supposed to take, I ended up being a mentor for that program for like, I don't know, like five years, maybe not even that long. So I ended up not having to do that, but I ended up sitting in far more drug treatment. than.
1: <laughs> and was it, like, was it effective drug treatment or was, was it? Saying, you think it helped?
2: So th- that goes back to like, there's some good staff and there's some bad staff. You know, the guy that, the counselor that i worked for he was good and he cared so i think that his program was somewhat effective but the thing is is you're throwing a lot of people into those kinds of groups that they just want to go home that's what they're concerned about they're not concerned about getting anything out of that stuff so all the statements that they do in the programming they do is it's not effective i mean there, there is stuff that's available there that's good but i don't think it's in mandated treatment programs
0: i think that for talking with benjamin like he only had to do one class when he first went in like that basic orientation corrective thinking maybe i don't know but he doesn't have to do any other treatment unless he wants to better himself mm-hmm. you know what i mean so
2: we'll see in like i mean you can take jake and ben or BC, we're going um, okay, to call them.
0: call him BC. Call oh him God, by God. his proper name.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can take them, for example. And I mean, so they're going to go in and then they're going to sit around for at least 15 years before, unless they are lucky and they're going to do nothing. You know, because they're stuck with these mandatory minimums. And that would have been my case, not as long, but I would have had to wait until the end of my time to get into this treatments. and. You know, other than that, I mean, you're stuck with that downtime, but then you look at what they're doing and, you know, the, I, where I see the effective stuff that can be done in there is like with the education, you know, so here they are, they're working on getting their associate's degree and hopefully they can, either get out or get higher education than that. And then you got them working in the trade that isn't Jake doing Cabin tree, or
1: yeah, he's a he does wood shop, like
2: Woodshop, wood shop. I guess yep, I guess
1: I would call
2: yeah, that. so you know, there, there's that kind of stuff that I think is what's valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. With that, did you capitalize on any opportunities in there other than the welding? Like, I know, Hell yeah, I jumped
2: all over everything I could. Oh, for uh, yeah, so I ended that up is. doing back before they had this second chance Pell Grants. Uh, I got into one of the supply chain management courses and I did that after I got on supply chain, the first half of it, I, then I went to welding and then I got into one of the welding apprenticeships where I worked in the shop and uh, the maintenance shop and welding and stuff there. And then I finished the other half of the supply chain program. And then I did finished up my associates degree, like right before I left Good. So
1: Isn't that's awesome. Like getting out of prison, is there any sort of um, like there's are there more scholarship opportunities because you're incarcerated? Is there any help for you? No, <laughs>
2: no, I mean, there's a lot of work being done right now. I, I do a lot of work with the University of Iowa's Liberal Arts Beyond Bars program. That's, that's like my pet project that I enjoy working on.
1: That's with Heather, right?
2: Yeah, yep yep and she's great i mean like you got those kind of people out here and heather like beat down the university's president's door and like all right let's get this guy here and so awesome uh but i mean outside of little people like that you know no there's not really a strong base for
1: you were just kind of helping
2: individuals out with that i think they're working on it i mean they're not all bad (laughs) any of the well not any most of the individuals within like the department of corrections they're not bad and they're well-intentioned it's the system it's just a machine
0: i would have to agree Mm
2: -hmm. you know there's there's just so much wrong and there's so many competing interests that things just don't that i don't know they don't work out like they should
0: it looks good on paper, but then when they like put it into action, it's like this isn't working. This is yeah. I,
2: I see like a lot of these people. I think that they think there's like some big pot of gold at the end of this rainbow for them. Yeah. So they're like they hold on to these old ideas that are, you know, they don't work. You look at mandatory minimums, for example. It's there's not. I don't think there's a person out there that actually believes in them, but you know they're what like
0: done forever and they're just gonna yeah it don't make sense but let's just keep doing it yeah, this, but you know
1: for reason, we're not going to change it like we don't yeah. know anything that makes sense but we're not smart enough maybe to figure out what yeah. would make sense instead that's kind of my thoughts is that it's like yeah we don't, we don't have a better alternative that makes us look good as legislators or political figures that we decide we'll just keep it the way that it is because nobody's really hurting too much when the truth of it is there's a lot of people hurting from it and they just don't realize that it's affecting them.
2: Does that make sense? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, just the cost of, if you want to just look at numbers, because I know legislators like to look at numbers. It's it's so fiscally irresponsible to continue doing what they're doing, <clears throat> especially when I know I know we're not like living in a time when people really honor facts and science, but you know.
0: Boom. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, there's significant evidence that mandatory minimums don't work. So, <clears throat> I don't know why.
1: significant evidence that that is one of the easiest ways to, like, really lower your population of incarcerated people. Like, that's one of the easiest things that you could do. Yeah. Yeah. There's no real risk in it, I don't think, that I've seen.
2: No. So, you know, that there are people that belong in prison. I mean, and there's there's people that deserve to be there for a very long time. But if you want to just do like a blanket approach things and be like, oh, okay, you know, we're just going to put this number on it. And whether you are a nonviolent offender, you know me, I, I'm not saying what I did was right. And I definitely harmed a lot of people. But, you know, I walked into a pharmacy with a note and... I was given the same amount of time as somebody who, you know, committed violence on another individual, and I, I I don't normally like making that comparison because I think it downplays what I did.
0: When no, I, I think that, no, th- I think that's a hundred percent fair, hundred percent. You know, like I think that a lot of robberies like that are victimless crimes. Like I, now, I don't think, know about
2: victimless, but.
0: Mm, there's I a mean, uh, if you're sliding somebody and no you're not hurting
1: I think, but i mean i get what you're saying that the victim is there is some sort of either mental or financial sure. or some sort of loss. Yeah. i think that right. what maybe you're trying to say no i'm not going to speak for you but what i've noticed and we've said a lot is that person over property but in some cases right. it seems that they value property over people exactly yeah,
0: yeah. that's that's yeah. what i'm saying as far as like a victim is. Yep trying yeah, it, yeah. it's not damaging an actual person you know so yeah
2: it's yeah like, I, I i just i think that there's there's a better way of looking at those things and you know the people that need to be in prison put them there and you know me i needed to personally go uh yeah. it's not for me to decide who how long i should be there because i'm gonna make my own judgments about you know how i'm punished for the wrong i do but, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I look at so many individuals that I was in there with and it's like, come on now. You know, maybe they needed to come, but give them something positive to do while they're here. Help them build a life for when they leave and then let them go. Yeah. You know, there's people like Jake and BC and it's just like, they come in, they do what they need to do. And then it's like, okay, now go ahead and sit here and rock for the next 10 years.
1: Talk about like, because I have personally, like, Jake's friends that I've talked to and, like, Andre and I have talked to and said, there's not, I think, a single person in there who's, like, a good person who has said, man, I should never have gone to prison. I feel like that is a common mentality of, no, I needed to come here. And I don't know if you would agree with that, but it seems that the people who have truly made transformations feel that way, in my opinion. Right.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, yes and no. I mean, there, there's, there is a lot of people in there that are like, oh, I, I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do it. And yeah, but normally when you hear that, you're like, my God, you need to be here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that should be yeah. like
0: the ultimate test.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Like,
2: yeah. No, for the here? most part, it, people yeah. go there and, you know, they take accountability and I guess I don't even know about for the most part but a good chunk of people. They go in there, they take accountability. They've got plans for after they leave. And, you know, and they've got good support systems.
1: What is the tangible and physical difference that you can see in somebody who has support while they're incarcerated and somebody that doesn't? And what does that look like? Like, how does it manifest on a person inside?
2: Uh, I mean, the, the support's crucial. I mean, you, you walk around and some people you're like, and I hate to say this because everybody does has a little bit of good and I'm a firm believer in that, but
0: absolutely.
2: Uh, there's some people that walk around and you're like, yeah, I, I get why nobody talks to you, you know, and it's, it's sad, but then you see some people and they just, they, you know, they've got nobody out there beyond like financial support, which is. I I hate to say it. It's pretty big in a place where you make 53 cents an hour and everything costs the same as it does out here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like this idea that you guys are given everything you guys need. Yeah. You're given meals that are not nutritious. You're given hygiene that, I mean, you can't, I mean, you just, you can't. It (laughs) doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And
2: then everything you want i mean it, it costs money if you want to watch tv you got to have money i mean if you want to do anything you want to listen to music you got to have money these things aren't just giving you in there and you know so financial support that that is a big one but beyond that just letters emails and visits you know you that, have- that's the kind of, kind of stuff that gets you by in there
0: what i wanted to do. Um- You had a really good support system while you were incarcerated, right? I think I remember seeing you a couple of times in the visiting room.
2: Yeah. My family's rock stars. I mean, they really are. They're, they're great. They were there, you know, from the get go all the way through and, you know, they, they all rotated on their visits, you know, on the holidays and birthdays, you know, everybody would come up and phone calls regularly and emails regularly obviously you never talk to everybody as much as you'd like to
0: but what does it feel like when you um, get a visit or like when you see somebody like you got him pretty regularly but there's some people that you know like Ben I pretty much am the only one that comes see him and it was you know I try to come every month but how do you think how does it feel to get a visit or when you haven't had a visit in a long time like I know for him he's like I got to do my hair and shave and get a haircut and do all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's me. But it's like almost, I feel like when I go on vacation, I'm like, got to get this, got to get that, got to live good. That's
1: a good comparison. Yeah. So I feel
0: like that's very similar. It's like a whole trip almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, let's just, let's clarify this, though. So the guys that you guys are with, they're (laughs) metrosexuals. And uh, they put a lot more effort into getting ready for a visit than I did. But... uh,
1: (laughs) You can't have these pretty ladies to come see you, so...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yep, that's what it was. It's something you look forward to, especially if, you know, you'd say, you know, once a month. So you're spending those other three or four weeks in the month and you're like okay now I'm waiting for this next one and there it's like a little benchmark that you're
1: yeah
2: you know you're waiting for interaction with outside world it's
1: yeah when you were incarcerated was there people in your life that you sort of wished had stayed in contact with you that you were like man it'd be really good to hear from this person and you were like maybe disappointed that they didn't or anybody that started to and then fell off? Like, what does that feel like?
2: Yeah, yeah, that that that's a consistent thing, especially like around the topic of women. You know, there's like ones you're like, oh, I really wish I could hear from this girl. And then, or one might come around and then they're gone. And it's like, it's just, it's like a roller coaster. Same thing <laughs> with even friends and, you know, certain family members, it's like, you just, you know, the people that are in my life are the people that need to be in my life, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and beyond that, no hard feelings.
1: Yeah, and the people that you were maybe like, at least I know Jake goes this way, but like the people that he was hanging out with prior to going to prison anyways are not the kind of people that he will want to connect yeah. those relationships <clears throat> with. You know, he's not going to call up his buddy like from when he was 18 and be like, hey, man, what's up? Because he's probably still doing that same dumb stuff, you know? So, I mean... Have you had people that have tried to come into your life now that you're free and been like, man, I missed you or anything like that, that you're just like, really? You did? <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't hold like hard feelings about that. stuff. You know, especially being out here, you're like, you realize how life happens and I don't pick up the phone all the time. I don't send letters all the time. I mean, it's not easy stuff to do, so I don't hold grudges about that stuff, but you know, there's definitely people that pop in and it's like, you know, yeah, <laughs> nooses. I'm, I'm good. I don't really need to, nothing against you. I'm just, you know, you don't work with the same kind of program I'm trying to work. For. Yeah. You're
1: just not on the same level. <coughs> you called our boys oh. heterosexuals. Um, <coughs> first of all, are they gay? Like, what's the... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Everybody in prison is gay, right?
2: I'm just gonna make, like, the... Just their hair. They both spend more... Especially Jake. They spend way too much time on their hair.
1: He's (laughs) telling me, and he's losing it, and he'll be mad if I say that, so... (laughs) Why did you? Like, every time you touch it, you pull it out, so... Oh, my gosh. That's so funny, but how... Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna ask, like... And you can, like, I think I, I mean, me and Ben have been together for almost, like, six years, coming up five years, I don't know, something like that, I've lost track. Um, so I feel like I know him pretty well, but I also wasn't, I'm not constantly around him, and I know the living environment is different, but, like, he'll tell me, like, stories about, because right now he doesn't have a cellie, so um, he'll 11. tell me. He's loving it, and he is thriving. He is he's
2: loving it, and he's got clean supplies everywhere.
0: Everywhere.
2: And it's spotless.
0: Yes. See, you know. Yeah. But, and I'll say, like, stuff like that. I'm like, I'm messy. Like, right now, my bed does not have sheets on it. There's dog poids all over, like.
2: He ain't gonna have he, that when he gets out.
0: Yeah, and he's like, it's fun, babe. It's you. It, it's not another guy. Like, and I'm just like, no, but you don't understand. Like, I'm a messy person and you are not. So, like, tell us kind of, like, how they are. Like, um, I know BC has, like, mood swings every other day. Like, tell, but tell me, like, your insight of him. And you can be real and honest.
2: I always I enjoyed BC's. About- I always enjoyed BC's mood swings. Like, I don't know. Uh, and his erratic sleep schedule.
0: No, <laughs> oh, he's better,
2: but oh my god! Uh, I don't know. Him and, and I, I were a lot of the same. I mean, just the, a whole bunch of the little quirks that we have, like the OCD and the cleaning, and up and down in prison. And yeah, the, I don't. There are two guys. Honestly, I have nothing bad to say about. <clears throat> and <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: nothing. Really? I, was I a lot. To say. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "How can you not have bad things to say?" But
2: <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like they've always been good to me, and you know, they're men that stand on their words, which is important in there. And Jake, Jake's always on the go. Just
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> there's nonstop activity in his life.
1: He's crazy. Uh,
0: there are things that what do I want to say, like Ben's OCD, or his erratic sleep schedule, um, or the way he does something in there, do you think that carries over into when he gets out in the home life? Do you Like, did you take a lot of things like, um, oh, I got to make my bed every day, or I got to do this every day?
1: And where you that Wait,
2: wait, wait. So, so making your bed every day
1: is OCD. I don't know. Last time I made my bed.
0: No, but I'm just saying, like, is there specific habits (laughs) that you picked up there that whether they're good or bad and brought them into?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The OCD, I can't shake.
1: Really? (laughs) Do you think that somebody before? Yeah. What's that? Were you that way before prison?
2: I don't know. Like, I wasn't as particular, but. Yeah, kind of.
0: Okay, so it might be a habit that like kind of everybody picks up in. Not no, not everybody. Not
2: everybody. There's some. There's some dirty people in
0: there. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: That. Yeah. Uh, I don't know schedule. I'm. I'm still like. I, I don't know. I, I'm really particular about.
0: Oh, I know. I could already tell when you were like, I have to do this, and I have to do like
2: this. routine. I don't like to vary from the routine. And uh yeah, if, if somebody says that they're gonna be somewhere at a certain time, I'm like, I'm the person that's there like 15 minutes early, and then I'm like two minutes late, you know. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think those are the things that in large groups of people, I still don't really care for them.
0: Yeah. I don't blame you. And then my last question is, do you feel, and you can tell us honestly, again, do you feel like knowing Ben and knowing Jake that they, when they get out and come home, that they'll do well, like entering back into society, like from what you know of them?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, like I brought up before, you know, they, they, they do the things that are going to make them successful when they leave. And you guys talk to Brianna a lot. Brianna, Mm -hmm. am I saying that right? Brianna. Uh, And I mean, you can add Colin to that list too. And, you know, everybody amongst that whole little circle there, you know, they do the things that are, you know, going to make them successful when they get out. They've got a game plan and they've got a support system. And And, yeah, they're key. And also, you know, the mistakes that they made. Some people I see like them commit crimes and it's because, I mean, they're criminals, you know, and then you look at some people and it's like they commit crimes because of the circumstances they put themselves in or that they were put into by somebody else. And I think that that's where Jake and Ben and Colin, they all fall into is that, you know, the circumstances they were in led to them committing the crime and whether they needed prison to stop those circumstances or whatever it
0: may be. I tell Ben all the time prison saves his life because I'm pretty sure there were three other guys with him and two of the guys are dead from just keep yeah. keeping up that lifestyle. So I'm like, Prison saved your life, bud. Like yeah. believe it or not, but
1: what do you think are like talking more about like re-entry back into society, what do you think are the things that are really going to challenge not just Jake and Ben like what challenged you what was something that you were like man I don't know if I can do this like a really kind of this is hard sort of time after we're
0: practice. scary mm-hmm.
2: so like the biggest thing for me when I got out was going to this work release you know I was on the honors with Jake and Ben and it, like I mean we I wouldn't say we had you know free reign but we had privileges And it's like, then I go to this place and I'm like, I'm out in society, but I've got far less privileges and more rules than I did in there. You know, like I, you know, you're around the staff for 24 hours a day for years on end. And so you develop like a little rapport with them. And for the most part, most of them will just leave you alone. And then you go to this new place and they're all on you. And it's like, just leave me alone. I don't want to be around you guys, and I don't yeah. want to be around people. And, uh, so you know, you're thrown into that. That that's a challenge in itself. But then, you know, you're walking around in this world where, you know, that cars, there's this thing, these things called cars, automobiles, and everybody's got them except for like people in these facilities. You can't drive where I was at, and. A lot of people get out and they don't have transportation. I mean, they don't have a vehicle. So how are you going to get a good job if you don't have transportation? And then you move on to employment. If you're going to work for, you know, $10 an hour, most people are going to go back to what they know. You know, so finding good employment with, you know, a good livable wage is important
1: think that the halfway house is like a necessary step do you think it helped you or do you think it hindered you more than anything
2: I for some people I mean the way actually a halfway house system is set up is it's not it was never designed to be a required you know me it was mandatory for my sentence that I had to transitioned out to a work release and it'll be for can bend to you know and that's not the way these were set up they were set up for people that have issues with housing and people that hard time finding employment you know they're supposed to be there to assist in those areas you know and those weren't areas that I had issues with
1: and how long did you have to do that for
2: uh I got out in September and I got out in January about four months that's all yeah but i mean that that was quite but not all of them are that long and you know some people i know they go to them and they're out within you know just a short period of time
1: some people depends go where you're going speak from them and go right
2: back to jail i was used to wonder when somebody's like oh i'd rather just discharge my sentence and go to the work release and i'm like oh give me the chance i'm going to the work release and i did but after being in one now I like, I get it. I, you know, I remember getting out and I'm like, I'm in this work release and I'm like, I I'm, I remember I emailed my mom and I'm like, I'll be honest with you. I just want to go back. I'm like, yeah. I miss my friends. This place is horrible. I'm overwhelmed. I just need, you know, and I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of get people that would rather spend more time in prison than go to one of those places.
1: Wow. Cause you're still on parole. Yeah. Okay. And what yeah, I've got a
2: few, few more years there. So like my PO chief even says, "Dude, she's like, I, I have no idea why." She's like, I, "I can literally, I have to ask for supervisor approval just to move you through the level system. Like otherwise, the way the system's set up, you would never progress through here. I mean, you would just eventually maximum restrictions all the way until yeah." Wow. discharged
1: so what are your rules like what do you have to, what rules do you have to follow
2: so i just actually last week i moved to level two which is you go from yeah when i got out of the work release i had to you know in the board accepted where i was going to go live and oh i mean it, it was it's easy restrictions that uh 10 o'clock curfew i had to my whole officer's office once a week and have a conversation with her. Uh, I had to call, uh, they call it colors, which is like a UA line. And so I would have to do that every, well, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday would have to call. I had to go in there and pee, yeah, three times a week. So like I had to, my Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I had to make sure that, I had time each of those days to go over there in case I had to. Well, that
1: makes sense uh, the schedule person,
2: too. Yeah, so Kenny. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it sucked because then, you know, you're like, you're trying to schedule classes and stuff like that. You're like, oh, hey, I guess I got to account for this random thing. And I got to make sure I call Monday, Wednesday and Friday. But then... Uh, so I got the curfew. It used to be that the high risk unit would come by every other week, I think, and make sure I was doing all right and check out my apartment and then travel restrictions. Whenever I leave the county, I have to get it approved and who I'm going with, their address, their phone number and
0: so basically, it's my mom back in middle school.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need you know who you're about ready to get in that car with. Oh my
2: my mom didn't make me pee in a cup back in middle school,
0: but no, mine didn't either. But <laughs> everything else,
1: <laughs> I was doing some bad stuff in middle school. though.
0: <laughs> that's when I met Benjamin. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All the
2: time. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Things are like they're, they've lightened up. I see my PO now every other month and nobody comes by in the middle of the night and wakes me up to just say hi and, and do a breathalyzer. <laughs> uh, yeah, they seriously do that. I mean, it, the, the people that come around, they were fairly nice, but it's like, man, I got to get up at four in the morning. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: not here to chat.
1: Do you think you drink alcohol again, or is, I mean, that's
2: your choice. No, that stuff's that's stuff. That ship sailed for me. I'm. I don't know. It it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Any of that stuff. It caused too many problems to be an idea. I want to humor anymore.
1: Do you have anything else we didn't touch on?
2: No, you guys are pretty thorough.
1: I know. I know. Do you have any? What's like your? So our podcast is aiming to break the stigma surrounding having relationships, whether familial, um, romantic, with people incarcerated, as well as educate on the system and, like, provide support. So based on that, so, like, keeping that in mind of, like, what our mission statement is, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, yeah, what's your takeaway?
2: What's my takeaway?
0: Yeah, or, like, how, yeah, go ahead and answer that question, then I'll have one last question.
2: I don't know how to answer that question.
0: Okay. Okay, How about this question? Um, Like a takeaway as far as like being incarcerated, um, now out in the world, what would you like to like break the stigma of how people think or react when it comes to, when you tell people, hey, I was in prison, like, what do you wish people would start, stop judging on basically?
2: I, you know, I, I, I'd like to see a little more compassion around the situation. And we talked about it a little earlier, you know, there's like this just general idea. Everybody just has all these big general ideas about what these people are. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of good underdog stories that come from those places too. You know, there's, you don't got to just like look at everything in such general terms and you know, to take things more as like a case by case basis, judge somebody by <clears throat> you know, what they're doing
1: mm-hmm.
2: now, always what they've done.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us, dear me. it was a pleasure. Thank I you so much. much.
2: Thank you for having me. And yeah,
1: thanks I mean, for really like sharing, giving people
0: more insight and like, hopefully, like you said, like more compassion. Um, I mean, you are literally like, a real-life Cinderella story of prison, like... Going Cinderella
2: for, story? Yeah. <laughs>
0: that is pretty. Thank that you. is pretty. You didn't lose shoes, but...
2: Yeah.
0: um, Yeah, I mean, you went from being this kind of... Piece of shit. Piece of shit person to, like, this awesome human being that's, like, ready to change his life, never is going to drink again. Like, you have your shit together, and I think that's super I'm important matter. for yeah for people to see a witness and like see these success ex- success sex- stories for
1: sure so. And if you remaining, anybody who's listening, watching, whatever, um, we have a group chat with Jeremy, so we can contact him and he can answer our questions. If you have more questions for him, he will answer our questions. Nice. <laughs> um, you can email us at to accept this call at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at to accept this call and Twitter is just accept this call. Yes. Awesome. So that's it. We'll see you guys. On you. The next one. Bye. Bye.